Good morning, Trinity. Welcome to church this morning. It's the 12th Sunday after Pentecost. Thank you, Sheila. Beautiful Renaissance organ piece. Um, welcome you to church today. So glad you're here. Make it in through a little bit of smoke, but uh, you're here today. Um, glad that you are here this morning. We'd like to uh, play one more piece for you for the prelude this morning. I'd like you to welcome uh, Robert and Aaron Kelly with a uh, piece for classical guitar and piano. Um, transcribed by Christopher Parkening. So thank you for being here. Thanks for paying attention. Beautiful. Thank you, Aaron and Robert. Thank you so much. We're going to play again for us, so we're going to be doubly blessed there. Lots of beautiful music this morning. I will tell you, though, that gave me a little wedding anxiety as I heard that. I was looking for my wedding notes, 
but, uh, but thank you so much. Thank you to Sheila and Ron and Carl, all of our musicians. Lots of beautiful music uh, this morning in this service. And uh, we say hello to those online, Mary and Tom, Dave and Annie, and uh, Kathy and Jean Hagen, and so many others out there watching us online. And because some of you moved up, they think there are people here now, because, you know, <laughs> when the first few rows were vacant, people online thought I was alone. So thank you for that as well. How wonderful to be together. The table is set. The altar guild has taken care of us there. Uh, we are set to share the meal of bread and wine, uh, a meal that unites us as we gather around this baptismal font. It's good that we're here. If it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, the call of response, you know it. This is the day our gathering hymn. Curie, eleison, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy on us. praise. Lord, I lift your name on high.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we have heeded your invitation to worship. We have come to sing your praises, to lift your name on high, and to seek your wise direction for our lives. Give us discernment that we may hear your voice above all others, and give us the courage to follow you on the path that leads to abundant life. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Just imagine my feeling, my head is still reeling to see my lost son coming in. What was lost has been found, and my life's turned around, and a party's about to begin. Absolutely honored to follow that. The first lesson today is from the sixth chapter of Galatians. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. 
So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. The word of the Lord. step into the sun there's more to be seen than can ever be seen more to do than can ever be done some say eat or be eaten some say live and let live but all are agreed as they join the stampede you should never take more than you give in the circle of life. It's the wheel of fortune. It's the leap of faith. It's the band of a hope till we find our place on the path In the circle, the circle of life. Some of us fall by the wayside, and some of us soar to the stars, and some of us sail through our troubles, and some have to live with the scars. There's far too much to take in here, more to find than can ever be found. But the sun rolling high through the sapphire sky keeps great and small on the endless round in the circle of life. It's the wheel of fortune, it's the leap of faith. The band of a hope till we find our place on the path unwinding in the circle, the circle of life. It's the wheel of fortune, it's the leap of faith. The band of a hope till we find our place on the path unwinding in the circle, the circle of life on the path unwinding. In the circle, the circle of life. 
wife. Thank you, Carl Mron. Circle of Salmon, right here on the altar. We had three funerals this week in our congregation, so we've been very familiar this week with the uh, circle of life, and that ultimately we, uh, we do not depend on doctors or our bodies. We can only put our faith in God. In the sermon this morning, we're going to contemplate a few case studies, case studies in free will. And I am hopeful that in doing so, we might consider a new angle on a very old story, a story that might inform your journey and mine. Case studies. My father was a child of the Great Depression. He was born on a farm where his father was a sharecropper. No one owned land in my family. My grandmother kept the farmhouse and looked after the children. She was also an excellent cook, keeping food on the table for the family and the farmhands. And she told me that she always made extra food just in case a hobo or two wandered in. It was the Great Depression, and hungry hobos would drift in off the nearby railroad tracks. After high school, my father enlisted in the United States Navy and served in the Pacific Theater of World War II. He was a part of what Tom Brokaw labeled the greatest generation of Americans. The Depression and the war that followed shaped a generation, offering painful but valuable lessons. Scarcity and rationing were a daily reality of American life. Families had to work together to survive. Our nation had to work together to defeat fascism. Duty and honor and sacrifice for the common good were core values of the greatest generation. From a young age, my father learned the value of hard work. He started working as a water boy in the farm fields at the age of nine. And in fact, years later, when I was a teenager, it was not unusual at all to be around our small town and some old-timer would call him boy. And it was not a derogatory term. It simply harkened back to long past days. After growing up a little from nine, he would join his older sisters harvesting vast fields of northern Illinois corn with a gunny sack one row at a time. In adulthood, my father never missed a day of work. I don't ever, even once, remember him staying home from work. Let's just say the sick days were not in vogue. My father was faithful to his family. He lived a simple life guided by Christian values. He never crossed an ocean again after World War II. He taught me how to throw a baseball, how to chew with my mouth closed. And he instilled in me the importance of taking care of the previous generation. He said, Jim, always find time to visit the old folks. My father was also a functional alcoholic. Shortly after arriving here at Trinity Lutheran Church on Whidbey Island, I I flew back to DeKalb, Illinois. I was joined there by my brother. My sister would come in from California. My two aunts and my mother. And on that fall morning when my father came out of his bedroom to head off to work, we were sitting there, surprise, in his living room with an intervention specialist. The next hour was filled with tears. We expressed our love. We shared our experiences. 
We described alcohol-induced behavior, and we gave my father a choice. Go today to Hazleton for inpatient rehabilitation or go it alone from this day forward. We were willing to help him get better, but we were not willing to watch him drink himself to death. He thanked us for coming, and he said, I have to get to work. I will be late. When he got home that evening, having not stopped at his usual bar, the house was empty. We were all gone. More on that later. Case studies in free will. What can we learn that will inform our journey? In July, Felicia and I were celebrating our anniversary in Hawaii, and one afternoon, paradise was disrupted as a red rescue helicopter started flying very low over the water. We walked to the shoreline, the helicopter made one slow pass after another, and leaning halfway out of the copter, you could see a member of the rescue crew, helmet in place, dressed and ready to dive into the water. It seemed that a swimmer had been swept away by a riptide. Unable to save himself, everyone was looking for him. Soon lifeguards arrived on jet skis. We scanned the beach. We scanned the water. Everyone was looking for him. In the 15th chapter of Luke's Gospel, Jesus tells the story of a shepherd who had 100 sheep, and then he realized that one was lost. He looked high, he looked low, leaving the 99 behind until he found the one who had wandered off. Yes, it seems risky, stupid even, to leave the 99 to look for one, but the shepherd would not give up until that lost sheep was found. You see, on its own, on its own, that poor sheep would be unable to find its way home. When Jesus wraps up the story, the little lamb was safe in the arms of the shepherd. The search, it paid off. Jesus then tells a story of a woman who had, a loss, who had lost a coin. Now, she had ten coins, she knew that, but then one went missing. And she could not rest, she would not rest. She swept the floor, she moved the refrigerator, she looked under the bed. She would not rest until that one was found. And the search paid off. The coin was found. Coins like cell phones and sheep and car keys are not very proficient at finding their way home on their own. And when they are lost, we are frantic, are we not, to find them. Jesus then tells the story of the prodigal son, the second son of a Jewish father. This one, this boy, acted in a most disrespectful manner. He demanded his share of the inheritance, though his father was very much alive. And upon leaving home, he wasted the money on wine, women, and song, living with unclean Gentiles in a far-off land. And when the money runs out, he finds himself taking care of pigs and eating pea pods. Now, the religious Jews had no use for pigs or bacon or ham and cheese omelets, and they certainly had no use for disrespectful sons. Jesus continued, after the boy had lost everything, including his dignity, he comes to his senses, and with his tail between his legs, he finds his way back to his father. To the disgust of Jesus' hearers, the father welcomes him home and has a party for the disrespectful prodigal. 
Now, there are obvious differences in the stories that I have told you. How does one compare the value of a coin or a sheep or a cell phone to a son? There's also one important detail of this familiar, familiar story that may have escaped you. But it's right there in plain sight. Unlike the sheep. Unlike the coin. No one was looking for the boy. Did you hear me now? No one was looking for the boy. No one was sent to a far-off land to find him. The father and the older son did not go looking for him. They just kept working the farm. There was no search and rescue team summoned, no helicopter. You see, no one was looking for the boy. The old man undoubtedly grieved and said his prayers, but no one was looking for the boy. Is this a case study in free will? At the dawn of creation, those created in God's image were given a gift. It was a most dangerous and precious gift, and the gift was free will. You see, we have choices to make every morning, and we're free to make them. The simple choices of daily life will go a long way in determining our quality of life, not to mention the quality of life of those who love us and live with us. It is not so much the big decisions in life that will determine our trajectory. Rather, the greatest impact comes from the daily decisions. Simple choices. Will I make the bed? Will I be faithful today? Will I go to work? Will I eat a healthy breakfast? Will I spend or will I save? Will I choose kindness? Will I obey the law? Will I keep the promises that I've made? Every day we make choices, dozens if not hundreds of them. You see, we are free beings with free will, but we will also reap the harvest, the inescapable harvest of our free will choices. And sometimes the harvest is sweet and bountiful, and sometimes it's bitter and painful. Lost, found, party, the parables of Jesus in Luke 15. You have heard them, you have read them throughout your life. They are so familiar that you may have missed a critical point. No one was looking for the boy. He was not a helpless lamb. He had not been kidnapped. He did not have cancer. He was perfectly able to come home. Consequently, no one was looking for the boy. He made his choice, and no one was going to protect him from the consequences of those free will decisions. Unlike the swimmer caught in the riptide, this boy had made his own bed, and when he wandered off of his own accord, no one was coming to look for him. Now, there is an important distinction here and an equally difficult lesson for us to learn. The father figure in the prodigal son story is clearly God. But might the behavior of this father also inform our behavior? Could there be a lesson here? Is it a stretch to think that this is how we might deal with the prodigals in our lives? No one was looking for the boy. 
God was not looking for an adult child who had made the decision to wander off. Now, God was ready. Be clear now. God was ready, very ready to forgive, and God was happy to welcome that child home. And we should note that with Jesus, everyone who desired a new beginning was given one, a clean slate. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. But desire was important. Jesus also said, do you want to be made well? Now, with God, there will always be parties for prodigals. But no one was looking for the boy. I'm suggesting that we need to keep the light on at our home and say our prayers while allowing our children to live their free will lives, make free will choices, and reap the rewards. Feeling pain or feeling joy the rewards that come naturally. Rescuing adult children from the consequences of their actions may not be fruitful, and it may not be beneficial to them or to us. You see, some life lessons are better learned by eating pea pods. That's right, living with the pigs and being broke can be a great teacher, giving us the opportunity to come to our senses. The man who taught me how to live most often for the better, but on occasion for the worst, had the same gift that you have, free will, daily choices. We were warned by the intervention specialist that he might take his life or drink himself to death. We were cautioned. Coming home to an empty house that day, his high school sweetheart gone, his life suddenly empty except for a bottle, he sat alone. And no one was coming back to look for the boy. The choice was his. But then again, at this point in his life, perhaps he did not have the capacity to choose life. He would spend the next three days in a self-imposed tomb before calling us and heading off to Hazleton. Case studies in free will. It's later than you think, my friends. The choices we make every day, small choices, seemingly insignificant choices, will largely determine the quality of our life and the legacy that we leave behind. Now, I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough to tell any of you how to live, and I'll not carry the burden of sitting in judgment of anyone else or their decisions, but I believe we do have choices. I believe that we've been entrusted with free will. And I believe that it's not incidental or accidental that when Jesus told this story that no one was looking for the boy. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing How Then Shall I Live.
lift our hearts now to God in prayer. Uh, Michael's going to lead us in the prayers. Uh, we have a spoken response after each petition. Gather us in as we pray, gracious God, and remind us how we should live. We are thankful for all that you have given us, family, friends, this magnificent earth, opportunities for service, mercy and love, and for life. When any of these are in peril or seem to not be true any longer, let's make the choice to lean on you and your promise to always be with us. God, in your mercy, for those struggling with health issues, whether mental, physical, or emotional. God, in your mercy. For those in challenging relationships with family, friends, or coworkers. God, in your mercy. For those who experience loss and are grieving at this time. God, in your mercy. For those experiencing homelessness, abandonment, or neglect. God, in your mercy. For all those in extreme crises, such as in Maui, following the devastating fires, tragic loss of life, and loss of indigenous cultural artifacts. And in Ukraine, with the ongoing war and devastation, and Zimbabwe, suffering with post-colonial issues of poverty, violence, and governmental oppression, and all places in crisis, that people may find a way through to healing, restoration, and reconciliation. God, in your mercy. In this summertime, as we reach out in care for the world, let us make choices that bring us rejuvenation, joy, and fulfillment as we flow in the circle of life. God, in your mercy. In all these things, we come to you, O God, trusting in the light of the world and in your mercy. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Please share a sign of peace and greeting with one another. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that greeting and peace. After service, come on over in the gym for a time of coffee and cookies and fellowship together. There's a sign up out in the narthex to sign up to uh, uh, make treats for uh, Bill Cochran's uh, funeral reception. Uh, Bill, will, uh, his service will be here on Thursday at 2 o'clock, reception to follow. So if you can help with that, that would be fantastic. Appreciate that. Uh, very much. Uh, we're only a few weeks now uh, uh, from moving to a fall schedule, so we'll give you lots of information on that. Rally Day is actually September 10th. 
we'll still be at 8 and 10 for rally day. Then that next Sunday, we'll go back to the old schedule, 8, 9.30, and 11, Sunday school, adult forum, all of those things going on as well. And uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Leon Josephson. Leon's been on the sideline like your whole life, pretty much. Uh, Leon is kind of a farmer, but he started doing flowers this year. And now he's bringing flowers in all the time for out there in the courtyard at the Columbarium. And they're fantastic, Leon. Keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to call on Lana Johnson. Cute's even kind of nice about that time. All right, let's see here. <laughs> Go ahead. We must be having a siesta somewhere, I guess. I'm not sure. All right, so, um, um, got me all flustered with that on. So, <clears throat> you know, last week I announced that uh, September and October signups are out, and um, there really weren't very many of you that signed up. So. I'm really glad that all of you brought your calendars so that you could figure out what weekends you could maybe volunteer, okay? And I'm pretty sure most of you are gonna stay at the eight o'clock. Uh, if you do defect, um, that's okay too, okay? All right, Next. now, rally day. Oh boy. Okay, you can't wear that. What's wrong with this? All right, <clears throat> so this one might fit you better, but that's okay. Um, so Rally Day is a celebration of the fall, and like Pastor Jim said, Sunday school will start, and you know everything. everybody's back to school, and we're all excited. Um, to make this event happen, which we haven't done it in several years, we need many, many, many hands. You have no idea of how, how many things there are going on behind. So if you could please um, take a look. When you walk into the gym on the wall, you'll see a little rally day display, all kinds of clipboards. I think there's 10 of them. So take a peek, see what maybe you can do, like helping supplies get out to the ranch, getting them home. Um, how many of you, when you were in school, did this uh, crossing guard? Oh, perfect, because I've got a job for you. I'm so glad that you guys raised your hand. Because um, we, need, we need a car monitor, or a, yeah, you know, those crossing people. Waving cars, telling them where to park, stopping cars from, you know, because there's this dress-up room, which you can go into if you want to, but the clothes might be a little low. But, um, and we have to make sure there's no cars there, all right? So take a peek, see what you can do, and um, I guess that's it. All right, it's gonna be a hoedown, a lot of fun at the MRC Ranch. Uh, I've been working with a caterer who's gonna do pulled pork for us and uh, uh, sorted other things. So what I mostly need to know is like how many are coming to that picnic after the second service on September 10th. So think about that, next week I'll take a poll. I just need to see hands for that. Very good. Carl, anything for us? Yes. Um, all these things starting up, the choir, the bell choir will be starting up. The choir is going to have a little gathering on the evening of the 30th, sort of to get ourselves together, eat a little bit, and sing a little. And then um, the week after Labor Day, 
Rehearsals will start for the bells on Tuesday, the choir on Wednesday, so you're welcome to come and join us. Um, and uh, at Rally Day, we're going to have a bunch of music up there, so if you'd like to offer some music on that day, we'll have uh, microphones and all that stuff and keyboards if we need them. All right. Let okay. me know. Word about Holy Communion, uh, the most important word, all are welcome. Doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter if you've been a prodigal child wandering for a long time, this is home. And you are always welcome here, even if you've never worshipped the Lutherans before, because this is not a Lutheran table, it's the Lord's table. And Jesus is the master of new beginnings, so I want to invite you forward to receive the bread and wine. You'll come down the center aisle, uh, we'll meet at the little Jordan River there, the baptismal font. You'll hold out your hand to receive the host, the body of Christ, then hold on to it for a moment and then tink it into the chalice. The chalice will, uh, all the chalices will have grape juice today. Um, if you need gluten-free, we have that as well. But most importantly, know that you are always, always welcome. If it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. We gather now at a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents, a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of colors, denominations across the globe this day. As we do so, we remember the Feast of Victory of our God. It was the night in which Jesus was betrayed. It was a Thursday night in Holy Week in Jerusalem in an upper room. And on that night, Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. All are welcome. Please come. You may be seated. Jesus broke the bread and then was heard. 
Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's peace. Amen. Fed and forgiven, you are the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Go out those doors, find your place of ministry this week. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending is really a, a blessing we give to each other. I bless you. I send you in the name of the Lord. Amen.